Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Trudy Simmons. Dr. Trudy Simmons is the owner and CEO of TAS Productions, LLC, which produces the Christian View television show and the Christian View online magazine. Dr. Trudy serves as the host and executive producer of the Christian View and publisher of the Christian View online magazine. She's been married since 1997 and a mom since 2006 with two children. Dr. Trudy is an ordained minister, evangelist, Bible teacher, speaker, author, columnist, blogger, radio talk show contributor, nutritionist, trainer, life coach, and pastoral counselor. Prior to The Christian View, she produced and was the host of Everyday Living with Trudy, a television talk show filmed in Atlanta. Dr. Trudy is also an avid athlete, having completed numerous Ironman triathlons. Welcome to the podcast, Trudy. Hi, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. So how do you have time to do Ironman <laughs> TV show and blog and magazine and how does she do it? You know that movie, how does she do it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have one. Well, I have an amazing husband for one. Um, he, he does help me out so much with, you know, he's a very um, gracious person. And so when I did my first Ironman, it was his fault because he challenged me to do it. And then sometimes they say, when you do an Ironman, it's your, it's one and done. And I did one and I was so hooked. I'm like, I'm just going to go. And uh, my goal was to do 12 by the time I was 50. And I completed that last September. I turned 50 last September. I did 12 Ironman, which put me in um, position to go to the world championship. It was supposed to be this October, but now October 2021. Um, but you know, we were talking about this before we went live. There's always so much to do, you know, and it's just learning how to prioritize each day. What is the most important thing on that day that needs to get done? Because there's a lot of great things to do, but they may not be God things. And so we've got to learn to really prioritize and seek the Lord as to what he wants us to do, you know, when our feet hit the floor. Uh -huh. That's a beautiful thought. Yes. Mm -hmm. So let's start out by just letting people get to know you a little bit. Um, Where did you grow up? How did you start out? How did you get into all these things? Right. Okay. So I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, um, out in... Um, used to be like country, but now it's, it's grown, but out in East Cobb, um, lived there all my, most of my life until I got married. I got married at 27 and we moved to London. So we moved, we sold all of our stuff, moved to London for two years, um, which was, was amazing. And then moved back to Atlanta. But, um, you know, growing up, it, it's, it's interesting how God, um, just orchestrates everything. I grew up, um, with a learning disability, with a speech impediment, um, my teachers always told me, don't worry about going to college because you just don't have the learning capacity to go to college, you know, just get a job or find someone to, to marry you and take care of you. And, you know, I was just like, wait a minute, that's not who I want to be. <laughs> and so I, I um, you know, had depression, anxiety, I um, eating disorders, just trying to find out who I was. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. And um, so just trying to find out who I was. And so where I am today, you know, doesn't look like anything 
of my journey of where I should be. You know, I should be because I was engaged to a couple other men before I married my husband who were very abusive and very controlling. And um, thankfully, those, you know, the Lord gave me the strength to call off those, those engagements so that I could fulfill the calling that he's placed on my life. So it's interesting how, how when we surrender to God and really hunger and chase after him, how he will take our mess and make it into a, a beautiful masterpiece for his glory. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So I'm just curious, you somehow had the forethought to disengage from these gentlemen. So in between disengaging from them and meeting your husband, was there some work you were doing on yourself or something you did to change your thought patterns to actually attract this wonderful man into your life? You know, it's funny because yes, um, I had a hunger for God's word and I had a hunger to be in church. So whenever the church doors were open, I was in church. I was reading God's word in Bible study. I knew, I knew Kimberly that there was something better out there. And, um, so I just kept searching for it. But the funny thing is, is I was engaged to one man who was very abusive when I actually met my husband and my husband came over to take me for lunch one day and I showed him the engagement ring and, and it was just God's grace to say, wait a minute, I have something better for you. Don't settle. Um, and when you grow up kind of abused, grow up thinking like you're never going to amount to anything, you tend to settle. But I had that, that, voice in my head saying, wait a minute, don't settle. God's word says something different than the life that you're choosing to live. And now you have a choice to choose something better or to choose a path of destruction. And it was, it took a lot, honestly, to continually renew my mind so that I could walk free from it because those familiar patterns are so hard to break. And it was a stay by day, you know, journey for me, really pleading with the Lord to really set me free. Beautiful. So did you grow up in a Christian home where you went to church all the time, or did you find that later on? So I went to church almost every Sunday with my mom um, and my siblings, but it was always me wanting to go to church. So I I would go wake everybody up and say, it's time for church, it's time for church. Um, My dad was not a Christian. He actually became a Christian. Um, I helped lead him to the Lord when I was 19, Um, but he he was not a, a, a believer you know, my growing up years, but my mom would have us in church every Sunday. Um, and, you know, just sitting in church and just hearing God's word is, is so, you know, empowering. And so every Sunday morning, I was like, we have to get to church. We have to get to church. So yeah, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church here in Roswell. Nice. And then when you got married and you just picked up and went to London, what did you go to London for? You know, um, God knew that I, we needed to break away from patterns and traditions. And so my husband's job at the time was with one of the um, big accounting firms. And he was on a fast track to partner. And in order to make partner, you needed to do a, a tour overseas. And so we were um, out on a catamaran one day on our honeymoon. And we, mine's like, my husband's like, this would be great to do on a regular basis. So we put in to go to um, the Cayman Islands for two years. Mm-hmm. And his company came back and said, wait a minute, we have a, an opening for London, but not the Cayman Islands. And I was like, I don't want to go to London because it rains all the time. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I struggle with depression. So going to a place that rains all the time, is not going to help my depression our first year of marriage. Um, but the funny thing is, Kimberly, when we got there, it, it, they had uh, less rain the two years we were there than they've had in years. So it was just God's 
faithfulness to send us there and not let it rain like it typically does in London. So we went there for two years for his job. And um, I started a personal training business while I was there and did personal training and nutrition for two years there. And then we found um, a beautiful church there called Holy Trinity Brompton, which really opened my eyes to um, the book of Acts and what God really says, you know, you know, we are going to do greater things than he will do. And we are, we are to live above and not beneath. And so it just really started opening my eyes to just the power of God's word and how it really can transform your life. So it was great. We did a lot of traveling because, you know, once you're over in Europe, you can, you can travel so easily and inexpensive. So we traveled probably every other weekend and, you know, just enjoyed being newly married and exploring a new, a new life together. Mm -hmm. And when you were starting out in your marriage, was it, did it, go smoothly or was it kind of like rough at first and how did it go being in a different country just the two of you well I know so we so we had been married probably eight months when we moved to to London and probably been about eight months and and you know you know I told you I struggle with depression and anxiety and eating disorders so when we first got married um my husband he knew I had some he knew I had some depression and some um dysfunction from my past but he's like a couple months into it, he's like, wait a minute, I didn't know it was this bad. You know, because a lot of times when you get married, you think that the other person's going to fix you and the other person's going to make you whole. And that's what I was thinking. Oh, all this other stuff's going to go away and I'm going to, I'm going to be this whole person once I got married. But it, what, that's not true. It intensified. And so we had been married, I guess, six months and my husband's like, this is not working. And so we drove to Pennsylvania to meet his pastor and do some marriage counseling. So we started marriage counseling with him before we moved to London, um, which really strengthened us and um, helped me work through a lot of the hurts and of my past. And then we went to London and it really, it really completely made us so much stronger because we had gone through, you know, we've got, we went through the fire and we came out on the other side a lot stronger and, um, I would encourage any married couple if they could get away for a year or two years from family traditions and things like that to do that because it really, really strengthens your marriage for when the storms do really come. Beautiful. Now, I think, didn't you and your husband work with couples? We did. So we came back from London and we joined um, our church here in Atlanta, um, Mount Perrin Central, and um, we were the young married ministers there for nine years. We taught... Um, marriage classes we did marriage counseling that's when I got my PhD in, in counseling because I was like you know for mentoring these couples I need to know the ins and outs of what's going on and so we did that for nine years then our son was born and we, we kept doing it for a little while still mentoring and counseling and then um, we stopped doing that to focus on our our son and um, now we're actually back doing it again a little bit just doing some mentoring and some counseling and and, um, and we love it. You know, we, we talk about how God really restored. We wrote a book on marriage and how God really restored me by using my husband, um, you know, praying over me, speaking life over me, you know, not giving up on me, you know, because so often when marriage gets hard, people leave. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to let people know that if you stick it out, you know, God has great things in store. Yeah. And right now, a lot of people are finding out that they're, maybe not as well um, <laughs> matched 
as they could have been when you know everyone's at home. So right. I'm just wondering, as you were as you were uh, mentoring people or just helping couples to actually stay together, what are some of the biggest things that you found that were difficult, and what were some of the things that you told them to do to actually help with that? You know, one thing that is so good, I mean, there's so much lack of communication in, in relationships, you know, one of the classes we taught that actually had the most participants and the most uh, reoccurring participants was conflict resolution, learning how to listen, to be heard, not listen to talk next. And so learning how to really hear what your spouse is saying, finding out what is really on their heart and listening and then letting them know that you've heard them, you know, say, well, okay, this is what I heard you say. Cause a lot of times Kimberly, what we think we hear someone saying isn't what they're truly saying. And so we've got to take a step back and say, okay, it's not about me. I want to really know what you're saying and what's on your heart. Um, and that helps, that helps so much. And you know, you don't want your spouse to be just like you in marriage. I mean, because that would be a very, very boring relationship, you know, God brings two separate people together for a purpose and a plan. And if you were, you were both the same, like I said, it would be boring. So I think really learning to learn to listen and hear what the other person is truly saying and then communicate that back to them in love and then just learning how to put the other person first. I think we have become a very self-centered society where it's all about me. And if my needs aren't getting met, then I'm going to move on to, you know, the next street, but it's, it's not really about us. It's about serving. Oh, I love that. You said that. And it is so true. We're put together with our spouse or with, um, you know, even friends or family members because mm -hmm. we're here to serve in some capacity and to find that passion in our lives, that place where we do want to serve. And it's right. interesting that you both found that place with couples to serve. Yes. It, I mean, it was, you know, I think because we had been through so much so early on in our marriage that, you know, the Lord was just able to use us to minister healing um, to couples that were hurting. And, you know, that was just such a blessing and, and such a passion of ours to really, you know, God is for marriage, you know, and, and it says that he hates divorce. I mean, and so if we can work at keeping marriages strong and keeping marriages together with, you know, focused on Christ, then, you know, God wins and the enemy doesn't. And so that's, it's just so important that we keep that in the forefront of our minds. Yeah. So, um, because you put God first and, you know, you're on the television encouraging people to, you know, be strong in the Lord and, you know, get into the word. Um, when you're making decisions, how do you do that? What's your process? Oh gosh. Um, it depends, but most of the time, you know, I, 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 I normally take, I go to Brian, like, okay, I have this decision to make, let's, and he'll talk it through with me, and then I'll pray about it, and then I normally wait on it for a day or two, sometimes longer before I make a decision, but then again, sometimes the decision comes right to me, you know, I, if I need to act now, and I think that comes with, and we all need to, you know, it talks about staying connected to the vine in, in scripture, staying connected to, to God, and if we're, and daily walk with him and daily prayer with him. When those urgent decisions need to be made, we will know, you know, he'll give us the, the gift of discernment to know yes or no, walk through that door, don't walk through that door. 
Um, but then when, when the decision isn't as urgent, you know, I'd love to talk about it with Brian and um, go on long runs and just kind of think through it, but mainly staying really connected to God and, and trying to hear his voice on the situation. And the $100,000 question, how do I know if I'm in the will of God? How do I know if I'm on purpose? Am I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I can't hear them. <laughs> you know, how do I know? <laughs> I know. I know. Well, sometimes when you can't hear them, then you got to just keep doing what you're doing until he tells you otherwise. You know, you, you stay the course, you finish the race until he says, all right, it's time for you to go, go through another door, you know? And then if things are, if things, you know, if um, things aren't prospering, well, maybe you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But it says that he gives us the desires of our hearts. And if we're staying connected to him, we're staying in his word, then he is going to give us the desires of our hearts. And those desires may change over time. His will for us may change over time. Our desires and dreams may change as we spend time with him. I never dreamed that I would have a TV show. I was one of the most quietest kids in class. and I mean, I never spoke up. And so... To have a TV show and to, um, someone asked me the other day, Kimberly, and it, it kind of caught me off guard. They said, I just want to pick your brain for a minute. How, how did you become so bold? And I thought for a second, I'm like, I don't really think I'm bold. And uh, I told Brian that he goes, Trudy, you're on a TV show. You have to be bold. And I was like, that's just, that's just the beauty of God because that wasn't in my, my radar, you know, all those years ago. And, but I do think that when we're staying close to God, that he puts desires and he puts those strengths in our heart to fulfill what he's called us to do. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and as I hear your passion, as you're talking, you know, sometimes it's the passion that just pushes us towards yes. what we're supposed to do. Yes. I, I mean, scripture says your gift will make room for you. So whatever, you know, and I do believe that, that, that God puts those gifts and those passions, those dreams and desires inside of us and that he will, because his promises are yes and amen. And he wouldn't give us those dreams and desires if he wasn't going to fulfill them. But then we have our part to do, right? We have our part to step out in faith, to step out where we can't see what's going to happen. But knowing God has said, you know, daughter, Son, this is this is this is for you, and and it's okay. You know, it's okay to have your dreams come true. It's okay to fulfill the calling on your life. I mean, forget what everybody, all the negative things people have said. God is speaking life, and so you know, I think that we're in God's will when we are praying and seeking Him and being obedient, and then those everything else will line up into place. And things may not look like what you think, but they'll be actually better than what you think. It seems that way. It seems it does always come out better. So yes, the wonderful mm -hmm. thing. So being as shy as you were, did you start out blogging or how did you even get to doing <laughs> what you're doing? Because, uh, you know, I was quiet too. And I look at myself and say, why am I, you know, I can't believe I'm doing this either. Cause I, would, I never talked. I didn't talk. I See, he'll do that. God will do that. He will get you totally out of your comfort zone because then it's not you. Because then it's, then it's actually him. Yeah. And, um, and so, I, you know, I started speaking years ago, Kimberly, and I was really bad at it. Like, really, really <laughs> bad. And um, but it was always my desire because I knew that God had set me free from so many things that I wanted to be the vessel, a vessel that would help set other people free. 
And so I would go speak and I was terrible. And then I would, I joined a women's organization, just terrible. And, um, <laughs> I mean, it was, I was, I wasn't good at it. You know, I was shy. I was like, I, I was so insecure. And then slowly the confidence started coming and, and started building and, um, I started the everyday living with Dr. Well, I know what happened. I started teaching aerobics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. You did? Yes. Yeah. You, you got you to be out front, right? You yeah. have to be out front. And I remember this, um, this gym owner, he's like, why are you doing aerobics when you're so shy? I mean, that must, that must be torture getting up on that platform and teaching. He goes, you must there must be something else you're supposed to do in your life one day. And this is preparing you. And that was when I was in London. He said that. And um, I look back at it and I'm like, well, that did prepare me because you were always in front. You had all these eyes looking at you. And no one ever smiled when you're teaching aerobics. They had such a serious face. <laughs> yes. And um, so that started building my confidence. And then slowly little teaching, little teaching um, Bible studies here and, and small groups here. And then um, little, um, what are they called? Speaking engagements started coming, you know, smaller ones just to kind of build my faith and my confidence. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I got, I started doing everyday living with Dr. Trudy and it was a, uh, my first show and it really wasn't good. I, I'll just be honest with you. It was just, I go back and watch and I'm like, Oh my goodness. I was just not, <laughs> I was not, I was not prepared for that, you know? And, um, they got better as I went. So I did that for a about a year and a half, and then my son started struggling in school, so I, I stopped doing that and just focused on him, and then I got a call out of the blue to be a co-host on The Christian View, and that was four years ago, and that was just such a stepping stone and such a training period for me for when I did take over The Christian View two years ago. Mm -hmm. okay. So it was, it was, you know, it's, you know, as being quiet and shy, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's a bold move to, to stand up in front of people and and share your heart. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I found, though, that once after the first minute, when I actually just go into my heart and I'm sharing, yes. I forget that I'm in front of everyone. Right. Because it, it's like you said, it's it's not me. Right. And that's what we have to remember. You know, it's not, and that's my prayer all the time is Lord, don't let it be me. If it's my words coming out, then it's not gonna, it's not gonna reach anybody. But if it's his words coming out of my mouth, that's where transformation happens. Not with Trudy's words, you know, but with God's word. And so I, I always I try to remember, you know, Lord, let me be a vessel. Let me be a voice for you, you know, and cause his word doesn't come back void. His word never returns void. That my words can be a sounding gong if it's not staying connected to the spirit. Exactly. So um, tell us about the Christian view. Yeah. We don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So the Christian view is similar to the secular view, um, except it's Christian. And so we have a panel of, there's five of us. I'm the host. And then I have um, four others up there with me. And we take today's latest topics, whether it be abortion, politics, marriage, um, finances, you know, what does the word say? And we take it straight to the word. What does the word say about abortion? What does the word say about politics? What does the word say about those, you know, you know, with elections right now, it's, it's out of control. There's so much division. What does God say about those who are appointed in authority right now? Who, you know, who puts those in authority, who takes them down? 
So we just, we just take today's topics and we take it to the word of God. Um, like I said, there's five of us, so we don't always agree on the same, you know, the same, we don't always have the same answer, but we always bring it back to scripture. Um, we've been, we're getting ready to finish our sixth season um, in September, and then we will start season seven in January of 2021. So um, it's, it's great. We're on 26 different networks around the world. Um, we have a, we do have our YouTube channel and our Facebook page, and we have a Christian View magazine. It goes out four times a year, um, and the next one is on the topic of revival. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that a little? So everything's kind of topsy-turvy, in turmoil, don't know what's going to happen next, can't really predict what's going to happen next. <laughs> Every day there's something else changing or someone talking about this or that. We need a revival. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, I saw um, a, a meme on um, Facebook that said, I'm not going to buy a 2021 calendar until I see a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then another one was the biggest waste of money was buying a 2020 calendar because none of what we had planned <laughs> you know, happened. It's like everything was canceled and things were shut down. And so, you know, but I think, you know, I always tell people that, you know, even though it caught us all by surprise, it didn't catch God by surprise. I mean, he knew, he knew it was happening. And I think he did it because I'm not going to say he did it, but it happened because he needed our hearts back. You know, I think that we, um, as a society became so, like I said earlier, self-focused, self-glorifying, and that we had so many gods, so many idols that we forgot about the one true God. And so if anything, I feel like three types of people are going to come out of this. Those who have a deeper walk with God, who just, their hearts are on fire for him. Those who weren't affected by it at all, they're like, oh goodness, what happened? You know, they were in their own little closet and those who got angrier at God, because maybe, you know, there's been a lot of death. There's been a lot of job loss. And so, you know, we can look at it three different ways, but I think, you know, revival is going to start in each of our own hearts. When we, when we return, there's a book out called return to your first love. And that first love is Jesus Christ. And if we've gotten away from that, this is our time where revival will start in our hearts as we return back to our first love, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants. And so that's what I think, you know, is, is happening. I know like in our church, we started having services again and our churches is growing like so fast because people are hungry. They're hungry for God's word. They're hungry for truth. Um, because right now in media, we're not getting, we're not getting much truth. No, there's a lot of people talking. There's a lot of people talking, you know, and, and, I, and in God's talking, right? And that's who we have to listen to is, is truly his voice and shut out all the, the chatter and listen to his voice. Exactly. And the one thing that has kept me while um, I'm an optometrist and I'm the only eye doctor in the area where I was working that was working, there was no other places open. We were the only one and people were coming from over two and a half hours away Oh, wow. People said, you know, aren't you scared? Aren't you worried? I'm like, you forgot. I know who's in charge and I know who's got me and he's taking care of me and I'm going to be here to serve people because people need help. And when they go and they look and there's no one to help, what are they supposed to do? 
Right. But the whole thing is we know who's in control. We know that we actually have someone when things are really, really tough, we can petition, we can ask, we can, you know, consult with mm -hmm. someone who has all the wisdom. That's right. That's right. We were covered under the blood of Jesus. And so therefore, you know, we're, 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 we're redeemed in his eyes. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's 355 times he said 352. How many days are in a year? 365. So, okay. That, and that's how many verses there are on fear. So mm -hmm. um, he doesn't want us to fear. And with this pandemic, there's been so much fear. You know, and, and I think God wants to remind us every day, whom shall we fear? Whom shall we fear? And we do not fear because we know who's in control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And whatever happens, he's still in control. Right. So it's a great, great reminder for anyone listening, whatever your, you know, whatever your fear is, you know, God is, God is in control and he will see you through to the other side. But the enemy, Kimberly, wants to keep us in fear so we stay stuck. Mm -hmm. And we stay bound, and then we're then when we're stuck and bound, we're not fruitful, and we're not moving forward into what we're supposed to be doing. And so that's, I think, a huge tool of the enemy to keep us divided, to keep us offended, and to keep us in fear mm -hmm. as believers, so that we are ineffective for the body of Christ. Exactly, and it works quite well. So it does. Right, just it to, does. <laughs> to reach out to you know other people for you know if you're afraid or just mm -hmm. you know you know, do your prayers, but reach out to other people also, because sometimes we do feel a little bit alone in this fear. Right. And I think, you know, I think that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to feel isolated and he wants you to think, oh, you're the only one who feels this way. You're the only one who's going through this. And that is a lie. I mean, so many people are going through the same things, you know, but they're afraid to talk about it. And, you know, there's, when you bring darkness into light there's freedom and so when you bring your fear into life by sharing it with another friend who can pray for you and encourage you then that's when the freedom starts so when we keep it all in which is what the enemy wants we stay we stay bound and we stay in bondage yeah so i wanted to ask you trudy um are there any certain way that you start your day or do you do certain prayers or Let's, let's say someone is seeking and they're like, yeah, I am tired of being in fear or feeling alone. And, you know, I'd like to start pursuing or at least um, trying to figure out who God is. What would you tell them? How would they start? You know, for well, how would they start? You know, I would think, I would say just open the Bible and start with the book of Psalms. Um, the message version, if you're, if someone's new to scripture, the message version of the Bible is probably the easiest version to read, but start in the book of Psalms, read Psalms, read the book of John, um, and read Proverbs. Probably that was, those are the three I would say to start with, um, because the book of John just shares all about who Jesus is. Um, and the Psalms are great, um, prayers that you can pray back. So if you don't know how to pray, if you've never prayed, then just open the Psalms and start reading them as a prayer. Um, and then read John because that, like I said, it tells you who Jesus is. Now I want to say that I would get up every single morning for my prayer time. That doesn't happen every day. You know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. So most mornings I'll get up early before the kids get up and I'll do my prayer time and my devotion. Um, and then I'll go about my day and, and I'll just be praying throughout the day. Some days I don't get to my Bible reading until I drop the kids off at school. Um, I heard a survey this morning. I, I, I want to make sure I get it right. 
If you read your Bible four times a day, you're 80% more likely to have joy in your heart than if you read it one time, wait, four times a week versus once a week. So if you're just reading your word on Sunday, that all that fear and doubt and unbelief just starts welling up with you throughout the week. But if you open up the word at least four times a week, they said it's 80% more likely that you're going to have joy. You're going to be um, walking in um, peace versus anxiety and fear. So, you know, just opening up the word of God and reading it. Um, and then always having praise music on. So when I go into prayer, I always listen to some type of worship music to kind of set the atmosphere and then listen to that for a few minutes. And then I start praying. And then throughout the day I have worship music on because that just sets the tone for the Holy Spirit just to consume the atmosphere. Beautiful. And then you said you have kids. How many kids do you have? Yes. Yeah, so I have a 14 year old son. His name is Jonathan. He just started high school. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have an adopted four year old named Alby. Mm -hmm. And she um, just started a little pre-K. Alby was my great niece. Mm -hmm. um, and um, her mom was really bad, messed up in drugs and mm -hmm. relationships that were unhealthy. So the, the courts took the baby from her and, and um, we took it, we took her in so that she could stay part of the family. So, um, so yes, Jonathan and Alby. Yeah. So what um, things do you do at home to instill these values in them as they're growing? Yeah. So um, what do we do? We, we, as a family, we have dinner every night. Um, we rarely miss sitting down for dinner and breakfast. So in the mornings for breakfast, we normally listen to praise music um, to get the atmosphere going and then have breakfast, talk about our day. And then at night we have um, dinner together with prayer and then we go to church every, you know, Wednesday and Sunday together. And then at night before bedtime, we read a Bible story together. Um, I'll read one to Albie and, and Brian will read one. Brian's my husband. And then Jonathan will do the same thing and then we'll pray. Um, but, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to, to hear them walking and talking with God and knowing that they have a relationship with them, even at the age of four you know, Albie will walk around and say, I see the victory in the Lord. And so, you know, like it's getting, it's, it, the word is getting in them. And scripture says to train up a child, you know, and it won't depart from them. And so putting those little nuggets in there and, you know, Jonathan's 14 now. So I do encourage him to have his own Bible time. I, I, and I tell him often that your time with the Lord is the most important time of your day and that time is going to be what strengthens you as you grow older and leave the house and so you know I do make it a high priority in our lives that we are talking about scripture and God on a daily basis beautiful so just a uh, more a personal question um, what gives you the most joy and fulfillment in your life at this point um, you know my family because, you know, I was always told, I always had a lot of camps put over me. You know, you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't. And I was always told I could never have children. And so when, um, a funny story is, we were told we couldn't have children. We didn't really tell anybody. We're like, we're, we just, we're going to go through this, you know, and figure it out. And we were told we couldn't have kids. And um, my husband went out and bought me this Mini Cooper, small, the smallest car that you can get convertible once we found out. And um, we still didn't tell anybody. And then I had a friend call me. 
And she said, I had a dream about you last night and you're going to have a boy. You're going to have a baby boy. And you're going to name him John because he's going to be a forerunner for the Lord. Well, I'm writing this, this down. I'm like, wow. And she didn't know that we just got diagnosed as an infertility mystery that we would never, you know, we have kids. And do you know, two months later I got pregnant and, um, just, and I, you know, it's just amazing. And so Jonathan was born. He um, stopped breathing at birth, so they had to do an emergency C-section. And um, but the Lord, the Lord spared his life. And then so Brian goes home after Jonathan's born, and he goes into the garage and looks at the Mini Cooper, and he said, he came back to the hospital, and he goes, I sold your car. I'm like, what? You sold my car? He goes, yes, I'm not putting my son in that small little car. <laughs> and so he bought me a huge SUV, Kimberly. And four months later, I was in a head-on collision. And if I would have been in the Mini Cooper, both Jonathan and I would have been completely not here. And uh, the, the, the uh, firefighter went to the back to check on Jonathan. And he's like, oh, he's just drinking his bottle. He's just fine. And so to me, my greatest joy is my family because, you know, what Satan was saying couldn't happen, mm-hmm. God blessed us with. And it's just such a joy to watch them grow up and, you know, now to have a, a little girl, you know, to kind of come along and put on the twirlies and the sparkles and it's just it's, it's a delight that we have that blessing in our lives knowing that we might have never had that mm-hmm. yeah that is beautiful so um if people wanted to um get a hold of you where's the best place to actually contact you so you can um i have a i have um email so trudy at trudysimmons.net um or you can go to my website trudy simmons well, what is my website, Kimberly? <laughs> TrudySimmons.net. Yeah, TrudySimmons.net. <laughs> um, and, or you can go to TheChristianView.tv and you can find all my information at TheChristianView.tv as well. And then I'm on social media, Twitter, um, Instagram, and Facebook. So they can find me on all those places as well. All right, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So one last question before we get off. What is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life? You know, my best advice is um, trust God and do it afraid. Because he's going to equip you to take that next step. And if you trust him and do it afraid, you're going to be amazed at what he will do in and through you. Right. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Trudy. You're welcome. God bless. Yes, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, sounds good. Bye-bye.